Lovely. Please have a seat. Yeah, it's me again, I'm afraid. Um, my name is Richard. Uh, if you don't know me, um, I'm on the leadership team here, but uh, I'm not the minister. I'm not Jonathan. Uh, John has taken time off at the moment. Um, it's been a very hard lockdown for all of us, I'm sure you'd agree. But uh, some people in, in the ministry certainly have found things very difficult, and um, we've been encouraged to let people have more time off or have an extended period of rest um, in the new year. So we're looking forward to John coming back to us uh, in the near future. Please remember him and the family in your prayers. Um, but do you know what? I had to come back up. I, don't, I often stand here, I suppose, or now and again I stand here, but very often um, I'm, I'm not leading the service, which is probably a good thing. But actually, um, standing here while you lot are singing, you lot are in fine voice this morning. It sounded very good. I don't know if it came across on YouTube, but uh, honestly, feeling the full force of that, even with the masks, was quite impressive. Um, quite a blessing, to be honest. Um, yeah, so this morning I'm... Re- I'm do you know, it's a difficult one. I had the task of um, speaking this morning at fairly short notice. And I'm not putting my excuses in earlier. It's not like a Formula One driver. I'm not saying, you know, I'm prepared. But uh, at the same time, it's, um, it's a difficult one because we've just come to the end of a series called The One Thing. Now, The One Thing, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? It was a bit strange. I think uh, Andy mentioned it last week as well. A bit of a strange thing having a series of sermons called The One Thing. That means there's more than one thing, so we couldn't call it the one thing. But it made sense that we had lots of important things. So I was trying to think, actually, you know, this one wasn't planned. Um, Obviously, uh, it was meant to be an altogether service this morning, so Tim would have been in charge, and we would have had the children back in with us, especially with the alert level coming down. Um, But unfortunately, there was a case of COVID in the house, so it was thought best to plan early and not have an altogether service. Um, But that left me with a problem. What do we call it? I've never gone into, really, for sort of having a message and then giving it a title. It seems like... uh, a bit of a backwards thing to do sometimes from my point of view. Um, so I was thinking, you know, uh, one more thing. That's, that's Columbo's catchphrase, isn't it? So I couldn't use that one. Um, the real thing, that's Coca-Cola. I couldn't use that one either. Even the greatest thing, I was thinking, no, that's in the yellow uh, electric light orchestra lyric. I couldn't go there either. So I've kind of settled on uh, the most important thing, which I appreciate I've kind of backed myself in a real old corner now, haven't I? The most important thing, you're all on your edge of your seats. What is the most important thing? We've got 66 books here. What's he going to pick as the most important thing? If you've got your Bibles with you, whether you're at home or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet or however you do it nowadays, um, we're in Matthew. No, we're not. We're in Mark. And you'll see why I made that mistake in a moment. We're in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Only a short reading, just down to verse 34. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, said the uh, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other, uh, none other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Shall we pray? Father God, I want to thank you that for the privilege it is to come before you this morning. What a privilege it is to privilege it is to gather in your family, in your house, 
to sing praises to you, to read your word. Father, let us never take it lightly. Never let us treat you lightly, but to give you the honor, the glory, and the privilege that you are due. Father, I pray that you bless us this morning. I pray that you would use the words that we are going to speak. Amen. So yeah, this bonus message, uh, you can see why I chose that passage now, can't you? What is the greatest commandment? Okay, it's not the greatest thing. I couldn't find that anywhere in the Bible. It probably is in there somewhere. But the greatest commandment. Um, do you know what? I was looking at this, and as you read around different commentaries and different versions and all sorts of things, um, in this version it says, um, where is it? Uh, one of the teachers of the law. Teachers of the law. That's kind of, that could be anything really, couldn't it? It could be a law lecturer in a university or something. The teachers of the law here, it's, um, in some versions it says scribe, and in some versions it says, uh, it says uh, an expert of the law. Now, I don't know about you, but expert of the law, that's a dangerous thing to call yourself, isn't it? It's a dangerous thing to call yourself an expert on anything, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I had a friend, I uh, worked with a guy, actually, uh, that was in the military. I said, oh, gosh, you can do that. We were talking about how we're going to solve a problem. He said, oh, come on, you're in the military. You're an expert on this kind of stuff. He gave me the look of daggers. I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I said? I'm not an expert. Okay, sorry. I thought you knew stuff about this. Yes, but I'm not an expert. I'm a specialist. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. Sorry, specialist, sir. He said, no, no, we don't have experts. You're setting yourself up for trouble, he said. An X is a has-been, and a spurt is just a drip under pressure. I thought, oh, <laughs> that's me told. Fair enough. So this, I'm not going to call him an expert, but this person who is uh, very knowledgeable about the law uh, challenges Jesus. I've got to say, uh, do you know what? Looking through, like I say, different commentaries, it's amazing how people get treated by different, um, different minds, I suppose, that look at the word. Um, obviously, he was calling him teacher. So this, this teacher of the law calls Jesus teacher. Everybody calls him teacher, the word rabbi. And it's usually a term of respect. And I've got to say, it was a bit troubling to see some commentaries saying, oh, they, he probably meant it sarcastically. I think, no, that, that, I don't think that's right. You're not saying, all right, teacher, answer this question. I'd get enough of that in school. But yeah, go on. Let's see you answer this one, Lawson. But I think in this case, I think he was a genuinely honest question. And what I'm going to try and do this morning is try and unpack what I think was going on here. Do you know what, at the end of this, and we'll skip to the end briefly, uh, Jesus compliments this man. I don't know if you noticed that bit. It kind of, I had to read that bit twice when I got to this section. Uh, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. Not far. I'm being told that by Jesus. I know he didn't fully appreciate who Jesus was, and he was still a Jewish teacher. And I'm not saying this is his point of conversion, but I really hope this is part of the journey that got him to the road, on the road to, to Christ. But you are not far from the kingdom of God. I don't think if this was the kind of argument that started with, all right, teacher, he would have ended like that. It was too kind, too gentle. And I know Jesus was kind and gentle, but he was also the God who turned over the tables in the temple when needed. But you know what? The question itself wasn't all that unusual. This kind of debate uh, isn't all that unusual. I say wasn't, but isn't. Actually, that rabbis, even now, Jewish men generally, even now, and especially in these times, would have got together and would have debated points and would have argued points and would have spent hours and hours discussing at length different points of the law. And I suppose we do, don't we? We still do this in house groups, or I hope we do in house groups, that actually you know, have a bit of um, gentle combat, possibly, if that makes sense. That actually it's a way of discerning the truth, isn't it? It's a way of testing what you know and testing what you believe and, and getting ideas from other people. It's a way of deepening your own understanding of what the word says. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I think this is what really this group was doing. Now, what law was he talking about? 
And I don't know if you're making the same assumption that I made when I first read this, uh, but we've got the law, haven't we? We know which law. I'm not going to say it just yet because we'll come on to it in a moment, but the more I dug, so you know, there's actually 613 commandments throughout the Old Testament. So we're going to go through them all one by one. <laughs> it won't take more than about five minutes a point, don't worry. But 613 commandments, no wonder they had to debate this stuff. No wonder they had to sort of really get their heads around it to find out what was going on. It's a really difficult thing. And you know, we, like I said, we've got 66 books in the Bible here. And actually, I'm, I'm put to shame very often when I talk to some people. And their knowledge of the Bible is just, they know it inside out, back to front. They know everything in detail. They know chapter and verse. They can quote things. I don't think I've got that kind of brain, unfortunately. Or maybe I'm just a victim of the smartphone generation. But actually when you've got 613 laws and you don't want to fall foul of any of them, that becomes a whole separate challenge, doesn't it? And do you know what? Then you've got to know that actually from the 613, there are 365 laws um, that were prohibitions. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do the other. And some of them might have been common sense, I'm sure, or maybe sort of you know, made sense in the context of the lifestyle or the lifetime, the time they were existing. But 248 of them were positive. You must do this. You must do that. You must do the other. Goodness me. Did anybody else here realize that, or did you all just jump to the 10 that we deal with? Yeah, it, it just seems much easier, doesn't it? But actually, this is quite a valuable point, I think, because actually this, this, this rabbi approaching Jesus said, right, which law is the most important? He wasn't just saying, right, pick one of the 10. He was saying, go on, which one of the 613 should I follow more than others? Now, this is a complete minefield. I think, really, you can start to see maybe not the trap, and I don't want to sort of look at this in a negative point of view, but you can see that... You know, if, if the crowd was aggravated or if, if this person was trying to catch Jesus out, this would be a perfect place to do it, or at least to try. Now, whatever you could come up with, maybe we should make this a, a small group challenge. Out of these 613 laws, there's your homework. Then learn the laws, and then we'll discuss which one you think is the most important. I think you'd all have a different version, wouldn't you? And probably, if you're anything like me, change your mind three or four times by the time you leave the, that evening. And I think it's so difficult that actually whatever Jesus said... He always had a chance to go, ah, yes, but what about? And I think probably in the back of his mind, he was up for this kind of back-and-forth debate about whatever comes back, I've got an avenue out. It's almost like chess, isn't it? But actually, this is a question that's tried to be answered through the generations, through the years. And actually, you can find all over the place, um, lots of prophets and rabbis and Jewish uh, teachers and scholars have tried to come up with this kind of question because obviously, we've got the answer that Jesus gave, but actually, the Jewish leaders didn't have that or didn't acknowledge that and still don't. Micah in chapter 8 verse, uh, sorry, chapter 6 verse 8 says, what does Yahweh require of you but to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? It's a good summary. It's a good start. There was another Jewish thinker uh, and scholar, religious leader I suppose, called Hillel the Elder. It's a fantastic title. It was a Jewish religious leader a sage and a scholar. That's quite a description as well, isn't it? So his uh, idea came up with, what you hate for yourself, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole law. The rest is commentary. That's quite a claim. Another guy, um, a guy, that's disrespectful. Another person, Akiba. Um, he's referred to in the Talmud as the chief of sages. You know, I'm, not, I'm picking small guys here. These are, these are big, big hitters. And he died, do you know what? This guy um, died in AD 50. So 50 years after Jesus was born, I wonder if he was in this crowd here. But he said, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Again, it's a good one, absolutely. But like I said, we kind of automatically, I think, go to the Ten Commandments, and that's one of them. The greatest commander, one of the teachers of the law, 
came and heard them debating. Now, look, and I'm not trying to pick, I know I've said about experts already, and maybe it was a, a, a cheap point, but actually, if you go back to the original Greek, I'm not a Greek speaker, I'm not one for looking at sort of um, academic study, but actually you start to see lots of these terms coming up and being used interchangeably. Now, the term we use in the Greek is actually grammatev, which means scribe. So scribe is one thing, but I don't know about you, but when I can think of a scribe, you kind of think of somebody writing something down or taking a dictation or just kind of making notes of stuff, but it's not just that. Because actually, Matthew starts to use the words interchangeably with nomikos, meaning lawyer. So actually, this man was a teacher of the law, he was a scribe of the law, and he was a lawyer as well. So this kind of approach, he was all-encompassing. This guy, by all accounts, whatever you say of it, specialist or expert, he was the one who knew what he was talking about. And the law was an oral tradition. There are sections of this. Now, obviously, we've got different names for all this. We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. But obviously, the Jewish people at the time just had the Torah, the Talmud. They have different sections. Or they have different books. They have different ways of organizing things. But the Torah, which is the book of the law in Jewish um, uh, thinking, is, as we know it now, written down. We've got a lot of it here. I think we've got all of it here. But actually, then, they had what was called the oral Torah. So a lot of this wasn't recorded. And we had to have, or they had to have, um, experts in the law, and they would basically go to them and say, look, we've got a disagreement, I'm saying this, he's saying that, who's correct? So they were used to doing this, they used to this kind of debate. And not in a le formal legal setting, I don't think, but they would go and seek advice. So this person wasn't just a lawyer, a teacher, and a scribe. This person had huge influence and huge power over people around him. Because they'd have to come to him and say, what does the law say about this? Are we right, are we wrong? Are we doing the right or the wrong thing? The scribes divided the law again, into slightly different categories. They had the light law and the heavy law. And they probably didn't call it that. But the light law, the kind of, you know, the, the lesser things, if you like. And then the heavy law, the, the really important things that you should not and cannot break. And the light ones, I suppose, you can get around and might be, um, you know, punishments or penance, I guess, to do with those. But they might examine the law in minute detail. Minute detail. And this still goes on. I mean, you can still see evidence of this around the place. For example, some of the laws are incredibly strict, um, like the Jewish Sabbath. And I know we've got the command to, to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, and we have you know, awful conundrums, don't we? Shall I go shopping on a Sunday? But the sales are on. Should I go shopping? No, well, I, I don't think we should, but you can make your own decisions, I guess. Should we be um, going to church twice on a Sunday or once on a Sunday? And I know it's slightly different at the moment when it's online. But back in Jewish times, and even now for um, strict and, and conservative Jews, um, on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to do anything other than keep it holy and keep it for God. You can't carry anything, for example. Now, when you hear that, I, 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 that sounds quite nice to me. I can't do any gardening, can't do any work, I can't you know, carry the lawnmower out of the garage and actually mow the lawn. Should we even be doing that? But you, you can't even carry your house key. So go to synagogue on, a, on the Sabbath, but don't take your house key. So how do you get around that? Now, this is one of the things that the scribe would have, would have been able to help with, that interpreting the law, what can we do, what can't we do? And actually, they have this, and in fact, they still have this rule, where you can't carry anything, but if it's part of your clothing, obviously, you wouldn't say you're carrying your clothes, you're wearing your clothes, that doesn't count. So what if we make the key part of our clothing? Well, it's not you're not allowed to pin it onto your clothes, because that's technically still carrying. So actually, what they do is they make, some people would make the belt buckle, the bit that goes through the leather would become the key. So they'd take it apart, not on the Sabbath, because that wouldn't be allowed, but they could make that part of the, the belt buckle the key and just put your key in there instead to hold your trousers up. And then when you get to the house, you can use your key and 
go about your life. Or there's other ways of doing it. There are um, Erev wires. Have you heard of Erev wires? There's a whole area I didn't even know about, literally an area. Um, they call it a Talmudic territory. And there was a big fuss a few years ago in uh, London because the, um, com- uh, the Orthodox Jewish community wanted to set up a Talmud area or an Erev wire. And it's a way of saying, well, actually, you can't carry anything out of your house into public spaces. And again, you can't carry even um, your mobile phone or anything. You can't carry it or even a coat, perhaps, uh, to... In fact, it goes to the point where you can't even push a pushchair in some cases. So how do you cope with general life on the Sabbath? And actually what they've done is they will cordon off an area with literally a very thin piece of wire, like, um, like a fishing wire. And they'll say, well, actually in this area, this is no longer public. Like the public are allowed to walk through, but this is now, this is an extension of our private areas. So we're allowed to move around freely with inside it and we won't be breaking the law. This is the extent that they had to go to. And this is still debates that go on now. But this man challenges the authority of Jesus. In Mark 21, uh, if we skip back a moment, I've said 21, it's not. But it says, they arrived again in Jerusalem. And while Jesus was walking to the temple courts, the chief, of, uh, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. This wasn't a friendly bumping into somebody in the street and said, oh, by the way, I've got a question. Which law is the most important, like we might do? This was, this was a crowd of people turning up and saying, oh, Jesus, teacher, rabbi. What, what, what do you think about this? The chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to see him. I don't know about you, but if the chief priests, the teachers, and the elders of the law came to see me and asked me any questions, I'd probably be a little bit concerned. It's quite a formidable group. And then they started talking about paying the tax to Caesar. You remember that section when it was saying, given to Caesar what is Caesar's? But later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. This crowd's getting bigger. The Pharisees and the Herodians are out now as well, just trying to catch him. And it's not this general debate. They're all asking questions of Jesus. And they start asking questions about marriage and the resurrection, and asking whose wife will this person be after death or in, in heaven because you know, she might have married more than once, and how does it work? And Jesus is saying, no, you've got it wrong. But then it says the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, that's why they're Sadducee, came to him with a question. Now, we've got this whole list We've got the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, the scribe and the teacher of the law, all asking questions. Have you ever felt like that? And I'm not trying to take you know, this and apply it in a context that doesn't really apply, but have you ever been like that when, I don't know, maybe in work or something, or maybe in a group of friends in a social situation, somebody finds out you go to church, or somebody finds out you believe in Jesus? Have you ever that thing, like, oh, right, and they all sort of round on you. There's, there's, in my experience, it can become quite a rabble. And they try and catch you out. They try and trip you up. They try and find out what you really believe. I think we've got a lot to learn from Jesus here, talking about how he dealt with the situation. I mentioned earlier that this is a reading from Matthew. It's, it's actually not. We've read from Mark. But Mark, Matthew chapter 22, it's virtually the same story from Matthew's point of view. And it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on those two. The 613 laws I talked about earlier, the whole um, 10 commandments that we all know, I'm sure, by heart, but this, this Ten Commandments, so let's focus on that for a moment. Because actually, we, when we talk about the commandments, when we talk about the law, we're generally dealing about the Mosaic law. 
the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai that came down on the tablets of stone, or the moral law. Now, I won't test you, but out of those 10, we have, do not have any other gods before God. Do not make yourself any idols. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sound familiar? I'm sure you've heard those before, but Jesus just mentioned them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That covers the first four, doesn't it? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus wasn't just using, I was going to say his words, the whole Bible is his word. But actually, he wasn't just you know, coming up with an answer off the top of his head. He was saying, hang on, no, no, no. In Deuteronomy, you know the answer to this. The first four of the commandments are covered by love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. The Shema, I don't know if you've heard of this. Again, I've, I've delved quite a lot into um, Jewish culture, and it's, it's fascinating. But this is actually what they call the Shema. Uh, it's one of the most important Jewish prayers. In fact, it's so important that when Jewish people say it, they'll say it several times a day. And they'll say it um, every time they gather in, in the synagogue. And they'll say it, and when they say it, you'll see them cover their eyes with their right hand. And scholars have put it this way, um, we cover our eyes because it would be difficult to express complete faith in God while looking at the pain in the world around us. Quite a thought, isn't it? But religious Jews say the Shema three times a day, and it's part of the regular prayers, and it's included in every meeting they go to. So this wasn't you know, an obscure little verse that he pulled out and said, ah, yes, but technically if you found this one, if you go to this page, he would say, no, no, you say this every day. Don't ask me which law is the most important. You know the answer because you say it every day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the carrying on with the Shema. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk on the road, or when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on the gates. And they did. And they still do. Have you seen, um, I'm sure you've seen pictures of uh, the Western Wall, or what they call the Wailing Wall, when they've got the um, Orthodox Jews praying and they've got a little box tied to their head or maybe leather straps around their arms? That's literally what they're doing here. It's called a phylactery, or what the Jewish would call a tefillin. It's not just a clever answer. This is... Then this is Jesus saying, well, hang on a minute, you, you've got it tied around your head. You, you've got it tied on your arm. Why are you asking me? You know the answer to this. In reciting the Shema, Jesus got to the Torah, the very heart of the Jewish law and the faith. Jesus used it to introduce the commandments to love God. Second half of the Ten Commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify or bear false witness against your neighbor, and do not covet. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're doing that, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you can't do any of those things. You can't murder, you can't steal, you can't commit adultery. It doesn't make sense. So I love, I love this picture that Jesus had, um, the person coming towards him. Let's ignore the 613 for now. And he says, like, okay, fine, out of these 10, which is the most important? Jesus says, ah, right. Well, out of those 10, I'd have to say verse 1 to 4, and then 5 to 10. What an answer. What answer? There's um, a psychologist, Jordan Peterson, and he read this. Now, I don't know if Jordan Peterson is Christian. He wasn't. 
And then he's been in floods of tears on YouTube, uh, saying, I can't believe I believe in Jesus. I find it amazing that I've actually believed in Jesus. So we're not entirely sure where he is. He's yet to declare his faith. But he calls this section the logical genius of Jesus. Jesus. He gives them the answer they already know, and it answers everything. When Jesus saw that, uh, sorry, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one asked him any more questions. I can imagine this, this almost, this antsy crowd, this huge, you know, the, Har- the Pharisees, the Herodians, the, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, everybody there, and they go, oh, no, fair play. And they all walk off. That's it, he silences them. Only God can have the authority to say that with all confidence. Because only God is the one that has fulfilled all of these laws. The only person that has not broken any laws. The only person that this can say that truly has fulfilled this. But Jesus could have torn him apart, couldn't he? Quite easily. He could have really taught him a lesson. Are you ever tempted to do that? When people try and catch you out, you think, right, I've got you now. The moral law is an old covenant. Nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. And I've got to say, um, I think I mentioned it before when I've been at the front. Um, Ray Comfort, one of my heroes. And I mean that in, in the truest sense of the word. Uh, Ray Comfort is um, a New Zealander, now lives in California. And he is an incredible evangelist. He, honestly, again, I spend too much time on YouTube by the looks of it. But if you, apparently now as well. Um, but if you go to YouTube and type in Living Waters or Ray Comfort, have a look at what he does. He literally stops strangers on the streets. And I've got to say, some of the scariest looking strangers, guys with tattoos on their foreheads and piercings in their eyes and all sorts of, ugh. And he stops them and he thinks, oh my God, I don't think I'd say hello to this guy. This is scary. And he says to me, he said, um, do you believe in God? And they turn around and go, no. And that's, that's just his excuse to get in. Brilliant. So, okay, so what happens when you die? What do you think happens to us when we die? And he'll start pulling it apart. He said, well, okay. I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. How do you think you get into heaven? Oh, you have to be a good person. Oh, good. Are you a good person? And even the guy with the tattoo on his forehead, yes, I think I'm a good person. I say even him, even me. Are you a good person? Yes, I think so, yes. And then he takes them one by one through the Ten Commandments. So uh, when was the last time you lied? Oh, I can't remember. Too many of them. Oh, so you, you told many lies? Oh, all the time, all the time. Or maybe, oh, I don't anymore. When I was a child, I used to. Oh, so what do you call, tell, call somebody who tells lies? A liar. All oh, right. Do you still think you're a good person? Yes. Yes, I do. And he goes through one by one, dismantling their understanding of who they are and what they, they think of themselves. So, uh, have you ever committed murder? <laughs> Thankfully, everybody said no. No, of course not. Of course not. Well, when was the, have you ever hated anyone? Well, yeah, I suppose. I, I, I've hated somebody. I've been mean to people. Well, do you know what the Bible says? The standard is so high that even if you've hated someone, you've committed murder in your heart. Have you ever committed adultery? No. Well, have you ever looked with lust? Then you've committed adultery. And he takes them through, and literally they come to the end, and they're just broken. They can see that actually this law, the moral law, and I've got to say nobody needs to get taught this. This, I believe, is a law that is inside all of us. This is a law that is written on our hearts, and from the moment we're born, nobody gets taught to lie, do they? It's just a natural skill people have. Nobody gets taught to steal. Maybe to steal better, but you know, I'm not saying that's a good thing. But actually, all this breaking the law is natural, but we know we are doing wrong when we do it. So all this guy Ray Comfort does, and all Jesus was doing here, is actually put, picking apart one by one and saying, actually, 
Think carefully. So what can be done about it? Well, I've got to say, there's no contradictions here. There's no contradictions. The law has been fulfilled. Thank goodness, the law, even though we should aim to keep it, even though we should try and keep all those things as sacred, although we should try and keep them in mind and make sure that we don't fall foul of them, if we do, it's not the end. Jesus came as a fulfillment of the law. He came to fulfill the law as the only person that ever has perfectly fulfilled the law because we can't. Jesus came as the one sacrifice for all forever. So even though a lot of people didn't see it at the time, this Ten Commandments, this, this law, the Torah, actually points to the cross. This man they were talking to and asking questions of was the fulfillment of the law. In 1 John chapter 2, chapter 2, it says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Wow. But if anyone obeys his words, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. But before this, John writes, do you know what, that, that's awful, that's... that's <laughs> even reading it now in front of you. I read this the first time. I was like, oh my goodness. Ouch. But it starts with, my dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And if I can leave that with you. We've talked about the, the leather straps and the little boxes but bind that around your necks. Bind that around your head. Bind that around your heart. Take it with you and share it wherever you go. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray.